Hello, everyone. It is Monday morning again. Here we are, 8 a.m. local for me. I'm Jamie Langsco, founder of Chaotic Good Consulting, and I am joined by my fabulous cast of co-hosts, Jackie Salinas, Laura Holmes, and Karen Walker. And today, we are talking about, as always, current events in the community industry. And then we have special guest, Dr. Ravi Gunlapali, who is joining us in the second half of the show. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. And uh, let's dive in. So feeling the the lady power vibes, Harry Melissa Jones this week posted a scathing history of the CMX organization, which for those of us in community, we know is a powerhouse in the industry. So it was really interesting and heartbreaking to hear the experience that her and the other, you know, early members of the CMX organization have experienced. So wanted to recognize that shout out to Carrie that we support you. And you know, I'm I'll be at CMX next week. But Jackie and I have our own horror story of being involved. I, I mean, after that experience, I just never wanted to go back. I'm I'm actually surprised you participated again. I wasn't planning to, honestly. Thank you. Shout out to Better Mode, who is uh, sending me this year. But I was not planning to go. I had not budgeted to go at all because last year was a train wreck. So for those who aren't aware, uh, much love to the women who were put in charge of organizing that event last year without proper resourcing and and support. Support. But as speakers, both Jackie and I had submitted independently. Separately, (laughs) we we had never met. We didn't know each other. Uh, We had separately submitted proposals to speak at CMX last year and we were both accepted. Yay! They did not actually communicate with us what the plan was until we found out we were on a panel. Yeah, which was like crazy because you submitted for a workshop and very different topics, I think, as yes. well. Like, I don't even remember what I submitted for anymore, to be quite honest. But yeah, it was kind of like we got lumped together. And and it was actually, I was going to be interviewing Jamie. And Jamie's like, I submitted for a workshop. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> How am I being interviewed now all of a sudden? Yeah. And I mean, I looked at that and I was like, this is not right. This woman that I've never met before. Thank you, CMX, for bringing Jackie and I together, I guess, is is the 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 win that came out of that. Silver lining, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was, I went back to them and I pretty much said, no, that's not how we're doing this. And I don't feel comfortable with being interviewed by somebody who also wanted to speak. Like she has her own amazing experience and perspectives to share. And so we actually created our own panel discussion. (laughs) And I grabbed uh, Gigi, who is also on our team at at Chaotic Good and said, Hey, you want to be on stage at CMX? Let's let's go make it happen. And so we had instead, we both were interviewed and Gigi got to have her first time on on the CMX stage. So it, it ended up being a win that we created but i know that all of the other speakers and presenters were in the same boat yeah. yeah it was not it was not a good it was not a good speaker experience and i after that i was not motivated to to submit conference season coming up and i did not submit any papers because i was just like eh, why yeah, i mean i could see that <laughs> burning you for that whole experience especially for anyone who out there who is thinking about starting to speak and going out and and establishing yourself as an expert. So, I mean, I could see that being really discouraging. So I hope that anyone who their first time was last year at CMX does not get discouraged forever from uh, submitting to other conferences. And I mean, shout out to the TalkBase team for the Prague conference this year. That was amazing. Just such a wonderful experience compared to 
the CMX experience last year. So I have I have some questions because I don't know anything <laughs> about the CMX. I'm just listening. I'm we also have questions, but <laughs> what do you what do you think's happening? Like, why do you think it's it's running so poorly and like such a bad experience? And is it a bad experience for the people who are are either watching or attending too? It was- I would have said last year. I would have said yes to to the attendee experience and to the speaker experience being both of them poor. First, as from an attendee perspective, you were walking into a conference where you didn't even know what the final agenda was really. Wow. Up to probably, I would say maybe like a week before, weeks, maybe two weeks. I don't remember exactly. And then also the, like their expo floor was, was pretty bare. And and I'm also coming from it just to give people like perspective. I've been in the seat of having to coordinate from our products presence at CES to like small events to even designing virtual conferences. So I'm not just like nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking, but this was a really poor experience, like poor communication or like promotion of the event. And then it was like a long silent period from when you submitted as a speaker, your, your call to paper to being notified, oh, you you're accepted to being like, oh, you're actually now doing a completely different session that you didn't submit for. So I think it was decision without asking you. Yeah, there was no communication of like, hey, I know that you submitted for this, whatever things change. Do you mind doing this? It's like, no, you're speaking with Jamie and we were like who the hell is Jamie who the hell is Jamie Yeah. So yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Was last year the first of this type of experience? Like had they done this prior and it was better? Or like have they slowly been getting worse or what happened? My outsider perspective is that one of the original founders who has kind of been the face of the organization and who is called out in Carrie's post is David Spinks, and he left the organization. The lady who took over, I think, was out on leave. And and that's why I said they were under-resourced, they weren't supported properly. And this was not the first event. The, the organization's been around since 2013, I think at least 10 years. And so they've been doing this every year, same venue, same everything. And so I think it was frankly, just folks who weren't experienced at doing this type of work, mm-hmm. but it definitely left a bitter taste, I think, for a lot of the speakers. And this year, there seems to have been a lot more focus on bringing in vendors to speak as opposed to elevating the voices within the profession, mm-hmm. which I think is also problematic. And it's another point that Carrie raised in her post was, We have a primarily female-dominated profession, but the dominant voices in the industry continue to be men. So in that sense, I think that maybe the logistics were poor last year, but overall, I don't know. I I guess maybe as as a more senior and experienced woman in this industry, I don't find that much value anymore in the organization. And I don't know if it's because they're catering to a different audience. Yeah, it sounds like they're catering to a different audience or it sounds like they brought in like corporate event manager because this happened also at when I was at Intel at, at the at, at IDF Intel Developer Forum, where instead of it being more the developers, they got so hyper focused on selling sponsorships. And in order to make the sponsorships, you know, sexy, you had to give them stage time. And then it went from being sessions created by developers for developers to a marketing dude pitching 
a product to to developers and then yeah it, it killed the experience so i mean that begs the question so for everybody who is joining us for the first time a little bit of background on everybody here so a lot of laura's most recent professional experience has been on the onboarding and implementation side jackie has done a lot of work on open source communities and uh, developer marketing community marketing and karen is with mentor cloud where she is the director of customer success and so you know approaching events in a way that is that continues to be viable for those audiences, I think is something that resonates with all of us, whether it's written content, live content, whatever. Um, and so, I mean, I would love to hear either from you all or from the audience, uh, you know, what are some organizations that you think do this very well? What are the conferences that are underappreciated or the publications that are underappreciated for their audience? And it could be for anything. It, you know, if you're into knitting, if you think there's a great knitting publication, I know the knitting community is like a big deal. So shout out to them. But knitting is um, hard. I I, under, I I tried it once and I was like, oh, my no, fingers there, don't work that way. I tried it too and I couldn't do it. But both of my oh. kids, both of my kids went to Montessori and they can do it like that. That's wild. <laughs> I was so defeated. I was like, this seems like a very relaxing activity, and I was oh. so stressed and my fingers weren't moving the way they were supposed to. I don't and, know, I have to. Yeah, yeah. And as I, I was like, oh, as I grow old, I can like knit. Right. I like could not do it. But yeah. I like, well, no. my hands are already cramping. I'm like, damn, I'm not that old, but I am not going to be that grandma, apparently. <laughs> I find different hobbies. Um, I'm going to sit on the front porch and throw rocks at kids as they come. <laughs> <on. I don't laughs> it takes a little dexterity, too. Yeah, you know, right. you got to be able to. You got to be able to. <laughs> I hand coordination. I hand coordination. Just get like a little launcher. She was kidding, everybody. Yes, she, of course. Of course. Kidding. We're being funny. Monday yeah. funnies. Uh, sorry, I really, I really detoured you on that one. Yeah, my bad. You were asking about community or right Can, communities that do this well. well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if if folks have any ideas there, uh, feel free to drop those in the chat because I think it's important to elevate those communities that don't always get the platform right especially communities that are doing a good job. Let's yeah. look at good examples of that. So the one, and I know Jamie, you and I have had this conversation a few times. So Code for America has fantastic community events that they hold. So I always attend all of their, they do have in-person, which I've never been able to attend, but they do have a lot of um, online events as well. Oh. But those are the ones that I've seen uh, really give voice to all communities as well. So not just women, um, but the civic tech, whoever they're servicing, they're really good at giving platform for the tech that they're servicing. So that would be the one that I would call out is Code for America. All right. Well, I'm doing a quick time check here, and uh, I am so excited to welcome our next guest. He literally wrote the book on mentoring, author of The Art of Mentoring, CEO and founder of Mentor Cloud, Dr. Ravi Gunlapali. And let's go ahead and bring him on stage. Welcome, Ravi. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Oh, Laura, good, good morning. Hi. Hello, hello. <laughs> Well, we're so excited to have you on. Uh, we've been talking a bit this morning about some other topics, but super excited to dive into mentoring, uh, how the community can support a mentoring program. But first, I would love for you to tell our audience your story about how you got into mentoring and why it's so important to you and, and you know why that has become 
a critical part of your work. Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. And uh, it's 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 always something I enjoy having a conversation around a topic that I you know deeply love and uh, um, you know support every single day. Um, so you know, maintaining it really in in simple terms is a human to human transfer of wisdom. So. I have always shared whatever I knew and I've always had the curiosity to learn if I didn't know something, right? So it was, uh, it is as human as you, as you can get when it comes to mentorship. So I would say it, it has been part of my life. You know, I've, I've always had other people to sort of guide me and, and, you know, show me ways when I didn't know what to do. And there were always people who would trust me with their careers and with their educational choices to ask me. So it was something part of me, but it became more formal after a life-changing event. You know, several years ago, I was on a plane. The plane almost crashed into another plane. But interestingly enough, the other plane uh, had the president of India in it. Um, so luckily, the accident was averted in less than 1.2 seconds. It could have been really bad, but I'm glad I'm here today. Um, so that got me to really think, what was the homework I didn't finish? I, I felt like my school teacher had me stay after school because I didn't finish my, you know, classwork. So that was a thinking. It, it's, uh, so I said, there's something that I didn't finish. That's why I got the chance to go back to the planet and, and finish it. And after you know, reflecting on it a little bit, um, you know, the next morning in the newspaper, everybody talked about President of India saved. And a, a, a funny thought ran to my ran through my mind. Why is it that nobody wrote Ravi Gunlapalli was saved? So, all of these thoughts came together and said, what could I have done? What could I have done by then to really make the world miss me? You know, um, and so I kind, kind of thought about it. And I, because as a guy with a PhD in fluid mechanics, you know, I'm always thinking about flow of something, right? Flow of fluids, flow of money, flow of blood. So I said, what about the flow of wisdom? So that's how it, it, it happened over a, over a few months, thinking through mentorship as a mechanism to streamline the flow of wisdom. So that's why I got into this and it became a part and parcel of my journey for the last you know, 10 years. I love that. And I, I will admit, it's not the first time I've heard the story, but it's very inspiring every time I hear it. Um, and now you have a mission. What is your mission with Mentor Club? The mission is, is really to impact as many people, you know, to recognize and take, a, take full advantage of, of this simple human connection mechanism to really accelerate your career. So I wrote down on that day uh, that if I did something to impact 100 million people with the transformative power of mentorship, you know, that is worth, you know, I mentioned if, if, if that accident ever happened again or something like that. So to impact 100 million people with the power of mentorship is, is really the mission I am on. And to reach that many people, you got to have technology. So that's why I built a technology platform that can, you know, make that happen at that scale. Ladies, do you have a mentor that, you know, was really impactful for you and and what made that impactful? And then as they're thinking on that, Ravi, what do you think is important to have in a mentoring relationship? Laura, go ahead. Oh, sure. Um, so I was thinking back to early in my career, you know, I started in HR I was thrown into a kind of a leadership training program. I'm still like, how did they give me all this responsibility as like a 22, 23 year old? I'm like, whoa. Um, and so I was a little fish out of water, but there was a gentleman named Joel who was kind of my dotted line boss in the HR world. And I think what made him impactful and, and 
is he he actually took the time to care and ask questions. It wasn't a transactional relationship. It was storytelling. It was questions. It was, you know, really wanting to get to know me and understand kind of the journey I was on that he was probably on, you know, not all too many years before me. And so, Ravi, to hear you share that transfer of wisdom, to me, it's really that opportunity to connect with someone and share your lived experience to let the other person know, hey, I've been through this. Like, you can get through this too. And here's a little bit of what I did that might help you that I learned. So you don't have to learn maybe the hard way or without any sort of guidance. And and Joel was really a formative uh, person in my career. He, I ended up leaving Target and went and worked for him uh, in an HR role he created. And he was just a great human and took an interest in me that felt extremely genuine. And, and I think that's why it stuck with it's me. A great story. You know, humans, you know, typically, if you go to a good movie, you know, we want other people to watch it. Right? Right. If, you, if you go to a good vacation, right. so you got to go to Bali, you got to go to Arizona, something, whatever we, we enjoy, we are naturally inclined to you know, share it. So this is a, when, when you see someone that can benefit from whatever you have gone through, you know, it is, it is very human to actually share it. And if we apply that to wisdom, if you apply that to what you call a shared experience, it can, it can do magic to the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, again, uh, I'm, I'm simplifying it, but just to, just to let your audience know, it is not rocket science. You know, when let's say somebody, you just went to Italy for a vacation and you told 20 friends and five of them went and they came back and told you, oh my God, that was a great recommendation. Thank you so much. How good do you feel? Imagine the same thing happened, right? Whether it is a book that you read or whether it is a, a critical career decision you made that made a big difference. If it impacts the other person and they came back and told you, you feel so human, you feel so you know, useful and valuable to somebody else. Because somebody else is flourishing and happy and growing because of something so simple that you, that you shared that you didn't have to spend any money. You just had to have the heart to just, you know, let it uh, let it be shared. Yeah, and I think um, to add on to that, Ravi, in professional settings, there needs to be a culture that is supportive of that type of communication and transaction. I think in my experiences, and I think quite unfortunately, in a remote and hybrid space, which I'm a huge proponent of, you have to be a lot more proactive and intentional. And I see so many meetings turn into agenda, you know, get through these list of items, and then we crank through it and we get to the next meeting. And you lose that. You lose that sharing of, oh my gosh, I just went to Italy and here's all the things I did. And I know you're going, you should definitely go here. I read this amazing book. The environment of today's um, professional, you know, spaces doesn't seem as embracing of that, which I think is a huge loss because your point, Ravi, it is so simple, but if you don't see it modeled, if you don't see it formalized in in programs like Mentor Cloud is able to prop up, you lose it. And I think people become fearful of sharing because it's not, you know, quote unquote work. That's really interesting. I, that's an interesting perspective because I, I have been working remotely for over 10 years now and I have, I will have to say, a good amount of my good friends, I may not have ever even met in person. And, Same. Yep. You know, it, to be able to form those kind of relationships, you're right. It has to be intentional and it has to be something that you, you prioritize. So I think, you know, Ravi, I think our audience would love to learn from you and Karen, feel free to jump on this as well. So again, Karen's director of customer success at Mentor Cloud. So we have some really amazing mentoring 
expertise in this call. What is it about a mentoring program that makes it successful? Because I think so many of them fail because people genuinely, they believe in mentoring and they know it's good, but they don't know how to programmatize it or make it intentional. So what advice do either of you have for somebody who's thinking about setting up a mentoring program? One of the things that makes MentorCloud so unique and um, above any other company out there is that we can go in there into any organization or community and we consult with them and we build out a custom mentoring program. We work with our customers and listen to what their needs are and we build out that program for them. So we can design off-the-shelf programs, but we can also build custom programs like we have for Marriott or Merck or the Arizona Small Business Association that are completely custom. And then we can learn and then pivot from those learnings to optimize that program as well so that we get the 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 best for both the mentee and the mentor as they go along in their journey and in their relationship so that they have the best experience possible. You, you, you bring up a point. It, it, it all comes down to Again, we we will use the analogy of going to Italy as a as a, as an as an idea, right? We do a really good job when it comes to you know planning our vacations. You know where are we staying? How many days? Uh, where are we going to eat? What place are we going to see? Do we have the local currency? So when it when it comes to planning a career or even launching a mentoring program, you know so much thought has not gone into it. Mm-hmm. So let's launch a mentoring program and let's you know Susan meet John and let's see magic happens. They'll meet and do something. <laughs> uh, so this this consultative approach is so important that why I have found is that helping our organizations think through why, most importantly, why. And second question is why now? If those two are not clear, whatever you do is not going to be effective. Helping our organizations, you know, the uh, understand the value of why do something, why now is really sometimes they, they, they feel very uncomfortable answering those questions. No, we just want to do it. No. Tell me why. And I think it the, the, the fact that we really focus on it, they actually come back and appreciate because they are very clear where they are going. Ultimately, we are all on a journey, right? And how do we take a group of people, whether it is a group of new hires or, you know, um, or if it's a group of women who are, who, are in, who are in a specific program, how do you take them from point A in their journey to point B? So sometimes I describe mentor cloud. We are in the people movement business. We move people from where they are to where they could be. If if only they, they really had the right support of executives and mentors and, and, uh, and the right resources and the right guidance. So to move people from A to B, you need to know where they are today. Where do you want them to go? How will you measure this, this whole movement when it comes to skills or, or their, you know, um, uh, wherever they are in their career, so do, doing an upfront, you know, uh, a good design, and then supporting the people on. Okay, how do you make the best out of this this particular journey as mentors and mentees, and having clear KPIs. Those are all important things. And you know, traditionally, a lot of executives sort of you know you know skip this. Let's go to Italy and figure it out. No, we don't do that, right? We will plan it. So don't launch mentoring programs just like that. Uh, you got to be very intentional, mm-hmm. design it well, train people, and let them know what's in it for them. Because human beings, how much ever we know, 
we are always about what's in it for me this even exercise or anything like that so what's in it for the mentors to to spend their time like you mentioned you know uh, you know laura mentioned when people are they they have to know why uh, you know they have to be you know sharing because sharing is empowering we have to really inculcate the in you know, that culture you know a sun that shines brightly in the sky is 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 much more attractive than the, you know the sun standing behind the clouds so let all the a lot all the top people in the company come out and share their wisdom and be known to everybody so everybody says oh my god john's fireside chat was amazing i mean susan wow her story is so inspiring how wonderful that is everybody in the company is talking about your your work like that so making it so valuable for being a mentor and then you know making it so making the people realize that you know you again i give analogies right uh, if if you are little plant you know being under the sun is more empowering and sort of you know nourishing than you know being in the shade so let the mentees also sort of flourish and uh, you know with the help of mentors in the, in the company so by letting people know the value of it then the participation uh, you know can be much higher I love that. And uh, for those who are listening, I hope you had a pen and paper because that was a whole bunch of questions that you should definitely write down as you're thinking about your program. And as you're designing it intentionally, thinking about what is the purpose? And I'm reiterating the things that you've said, you know, what is the incentive for your mentors? Why are they doing it? What are you doing to make them feel really good about putting that time in? What is the incentive for your mentees to participate and prioritize that within their busy day? and how are you going to measure the success of that and i think those are really really critical points so thank you for sharing those so i want to get to community so how do you think about community as supporting what would otherwise typically be a one to one type relationship what do you think is the role there of community and you mentioned fireside chats so talk to us a little bit about how the broader program helps to support those individual relationships. Yeah, excellent question. You know, the community is one of my favorite words and I, w- I was once in Calgary, Canada and I keep you kept using the word community and somebody asked, "What does community mean to you?" Like I think uh, I I just mentioned, yeah, common unity, the like I, it was so ca- <laughs> casual that I just said it. So so community is nothing but tapping into the common unity that you know the that that brings us together in the first place. when you're working for a company or when you're an alumni of a university or when you work for a non-profit there is a certain unifying force that that is bringing us all together but using that collectiveness we actually go uh, so sort of you know go ahead in in our journeys right so a community is people coming together because we all work for a company we have a shared mission that we heard from our leaders we know where we are going and you know it is the uh, how they say right the the you know weakest link in a chain right it could be a very powerful chain but one weak link can make it weak right so if everybody can be empowered to really keep that you know sharing and learning chain in a company strong and you know on demand and anyone anywhere can share and learn then everybody sort of grows and when when the community grows when the people grow the company naturally grows when we are all effective in whatever we do then naturally the outcomes will be better and the organization will will definitely perform better so a, a community is, is really people helping people that's what make companies right in fact somebody recently told me a company word itself came 
hey, who are you in company with? It's it's not an entity. A company by design is a community. So if you can have that that perspective that we all are in this together, it's the people that make an organization successful. Organization otherwise is just an entity, right? Uh, yeah. But so people coming together, being in good company of each other, right? When when we go on a trip, imagine if all of us on this trip are you know having fun, supporting one another, and so journey is that much more exciting. Imagine the same thing if you translate into an organization. You know, uh, it, it it is not not at all utopian thinking. It it can be done. That's what determines culture. Some companies are rated very high for culture. Why? Because there is that sense of community inherent in everything that they do. Hey, Jackie, I'm going to call on you and ask you: Did mentoring, even even informally, uh, did that play a role in the open source communities that you've worked with? And very much. A little so. bit. Very much so. Without mentoring, especially informal mentoring, it is actually really hard to onboard and retain uh, contributors because, like, especially in the last open source project that I was a part of, it was very niche. So folks had to have a different set of technical skills before they could even use this. So it was not just teaching them how to use the product or use the open source project. It was actually teaching them about like Kubernetes and that ecosystem and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of the times, you know, we were in Slack, people were asking questions and that was one way that we were, we were also like, Hey, you have all these questions. Why don't you just set up some time with us? Or why don't you come to the community meeting and we deep dive into your issues? Or it would also be done through, you know, like the ticketing system where a lot of that conversation would happen there. But we had a, multiple channels where folks could could also get that informal mentoring help. Yeah. So without it, open source is also, it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> Projects don't move forward. Oh, go ahead, Robbie. Yeah, no, Jackie used the word informal, you know, you know a few times. So really, you know, all of us, when you look back, there are other people who informally showed us the way, who informally said, hey, you should apply here. You know, I was on another podcast recently and at every step of the way in my life journey, you know, I come from a very small town, you know, we come from a very, very modest family. We didn't have enough resources when we were growing up. But somebody always said, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should go there. You should check it out. So that informal is very important because you can definitely formalize it in an organization. But informally, we have all been touched by mentorship. Mentorship is somebody caring about your well-being. It's as simple as that. So when when you make people reflect on it, said, yeah, yeah, that's true. My uncle, my neighbor, my, my former colleague that Laura was talking about, my former boss. So if you can formalize it in an organization, magic happens. Yeah. No, very much so. I I agree with that. It's, you know, kind of going back to your original question, Jamie, in regards to like mentors who have touched our lives. Like I've had two very prominent ones. And one of them is actually one that I met when I was very young. I was about 10 years old and, you know, similar to Robbie come from a, a very like humble beginnings. My mom's single mom immigrant and she was, uh, she's cleaned houses. Like that's been her, her uh, business. And so she was working with this woman and 
met Len's been my mentor and we still have a relationship and I'm 33 years old. So you know, these relationships, like it's been one of my most important relationships, like family now, but you know, without her, I don't think I would be where I am. I'd probably be just another statistic, probably like teenage pregnancy, you know, working, you know, minimum wage jobs, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I wouldn't have had a professional career. I wouldn't have been pushed to go and, you know, backpack through Southeast Asia, um, go to going to college or going and studying to France. And she's, she's played a very pivotal role in, in, in my life. I just, I just want to add something that, that sparked in me in mentoring and in community it's a place where you feel like you belong. Yes. Yes. And very much so. Yeah. And you feel seen and you feel heard. And I think that that's something in this day and age we all want, we all need. And um, we're longing for that. And it's so important, whether it's just in your personal life, like, you know, you need you, you need to belong to even grow or in your organization and they provide you with mentorship or in your, in, if you belong to a community and they have a mentorship program available, that's why people want to have a mentor or belong to a community is because they want to belong and they want to be seen and they want to be heard and they want to grow. Yeah. It's very true. I That resonates very much with me because I think for both the mentors that I've had in my life and in my professional career, one of the things that I think I selfishly maintained a lot of those relationships because I felt really good about just being myself. Like yeah, it was okay to be me. Yeah. And I was encouraged, like mm. my other mentor, Tracy, very much encouraged me to like, she's like, Oh, you should misbehave. You should be having fun. You should be partying, but also like, you should also be doing like, like try to enjoy your life as well, like as roundedly as possible. Like, yes, have a professional career, but also have an amazing personal life. So that that's what I loved about mentoring. So it brings me to a question that I want to pose to to Laura and to Ravi. So Laura, you're you're focused right now on building up your coaching practice, and um, there is some crossover between a coach, a mentor, and a sponsor. Um, and so I would love to hear your both of your thoughts on uh, what. What does that look like and how should people prepare to be a mentor and what kind of um, differences are there? You know, dig into that a little bit for us and and let's talk about that. It's really interesting. All of us need both. Uh, right. We need a coach and a mentor. Right. Um, in, in my in my experience, a coach is someone that extracts, extracts the genius out of the other person. So like igniting that. the genius within is is really one of my mentors slash coaches, you know, tagline for his entire career. So just like Jackie, I, I've known him for the last 25 years and, uh, and I just met him over the weekend. Um, so t- extracting the genius out of another individual is coaching and transfer of wisdom, the experiential knowledge is mentorship. 
So all of sometimes I need a coach who can really look at Ravi objectively and say, what is Ravi really good at? Where can he shine? What can he do that is so natural to him? I need that. And sometimes I need someone to say, Ravi, here is how you raise money. Here is how you hire people. Here is how you, you take your company public. People who have been there, done that, are telling me this works, this doesn't. That is wisdom. So everybody needs both uh, to you know truly shine. <clears throat> because when, when somebody identifies our, our natural frequency, we, we tend to do really well. We don't have to do anything. We, this is us, right? Uh, and sometimes we, we got to enhance our you know, skills uh, as well. So that's the two-sided coin for, as a mentor and a coach. Uh, so Laura, what do you think? Yeah, I love that perspective. And the way I was thinking about this is it's it's kind of a spectrum. To Ravi's point, you need both. And I think depending on the engagement you're a part of, you kind of have to recognize what you're leaning into a little bit more. What does this person need? Do they need more of that extraction of genius and a bit more of a direct, like, hey, you can do X, Y, and Z. Like, this is how you're going to, you know, you can go do that. Or do they need someone who is maybe erring on more of a mentorship side, sharing, experiencing, you know, I've lived this, I've done this, and it it resonates in a different way. So I I think both kind of regularly exist within the same space. It's just kind of um, recognizing what the individual or the group of individuals you're working with need at any given moment. Um, so so anyway, the short of it is I agree with Ravi that both uh, exist together. So I'll ask a more pointed question, which I think mm-hmm. those, those responses were great and uh, very insightful. And I think you're right that we do need both. Uh, when I men- mentioned sponsorship, so to me, a sponsor is somebody who takes uh, their own, let's say, social capital and spends that on your behalf, that they go out and actively advocate for you. Do you feel that that is something that is the responsibility of a mentor or does that fall outside of their their typical relationship? I, yeah, I'm, I'm pondering that one. I mean, I my instinct, and I don't have as much familiarity with with formal sponsorship, if you will. But my instinct on that is if you believe in an individual and you are genuinely supportive of that individual, if it feels authentic to go out and advocate more publicly or formally for that person, then absolutely. I don't think it needs to be delineated. And if this is you know the bucket you're in, you do X. If this is the bucket you're in, you do Y. If it feels appropriate to shout from the rooftops and, and formally try and help someone, then yeah, if you're a mentor, go do it. If you're a coach, go do it. Uh, to me, the distinction feels blurry. I don't know. Does that, what do you think about that, Ravi? Does that make sense in, from your perspective? Yeah. Uh, in fact, all three of them, whether you are a mentor, whether you are a coach, you're a sponsor, the core sort of the you know foundation is that I care about someone. Right. Exactly. I care about someone. So sponsorship is one aspect of that caring where I genuinely want this person to, to be known in the, in, in the organization. And if, if there is a specific role that I really want this person to be the next person in that role. So when it is, especially around, you know, succession planning is when we see a lot mm-hmm. of sponsorship. We also see sponsorship when it comes to making sure that there is enough diversity in the executive ranks. So almost, you know, grooming people to the, to the next role. 
and that could involve the sponsorship uh, idea uh, the process could involve mentoring and coaching this this person as well so it is almost like sponsorship uh, is is uh, is very you know targeted to a specific role or or a specific position and indra nuyi talks about it a lot you know indra who is the you know chairwoman of pepsi she said so many people sought her to say hey i want to mentor you i i think you should be the next ceo of pepsi so she she has some very interesting videos on youtube as how to how to be the most sought after mentee right uh, and i mentioned it in in i also in my book so she she had great mentors and she also had great sponsors who who really wanted her to be the next ceo of pepsi and of course you know she became one um so that's how i see all of these three playing together uh, on a foundation of i care about this individual and that kind of goes back to what karen was saying about belonging and and i think uh in this context i mean this has opened uh, my mind too as we've been talking about this that community one of the the characteristics is that it should essentially be mentoring at scale where you go into a place where you are seen as a as you are and uh the people there are invested in your success and there are some who define community as a shared sense of caring for each other and for a a a shared objective so I think this has been really really uh eye-opening and and mind expanding for me and Hopefully our audience has enjoyed that as well. And uh, ladies, do you have any last questions for Dr. Ravi before we let him go? Oh, who picks whom? Yeah, who picks whom? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting question. You know, um, in fact, I just I talked about Indra Nuyi, right? Indra, as a mentee, was actually picked by her mentors. And there's a nice video how people would knock on a door and say, hey, if you ever need help, I think you should, you should, you should run the chips division in, in, at Pepsi. because you will understand that so i think she was definitely picked by the mentors because she showed a potential um but naturally most of the times it is the mentee who is picking the mentors right because mentors are in an organization setting that can happen what happened to indra indra nuyi but in general mentors are busy they have you know 200 things that they're working on so it is highly unlikely that they will you know they will seek out to help someone um but so that's why mentees you have to step up asking for help is not at all a sign of weakness it is a sign of strength that you really want to get somewhere so so the, the, the so this is a myth that oh when you need a mentor or a coach you are in, in a tough situation not at all high aspirers should have mentors and coaches people have big dreams because they don't have time they don't have their whole lifetime to achieve their their, their particular objective or their goal and people who are in a rush people who are highly ambitious people who are highly aspiring they sh- they're the ones who should have a mentor because they want to get it done tomorrow mentees out there wherever you are everybody can be a mentee i have mentors right now i'm not done i'm i'm seeking out tomorrow evening i have a coffee because i'm meeting somebody to learn something i don't have time who knows you know when our last day on the planet is it happened to me i just bought a ticket and got on a plane i didn't know that that could have been the last day so none of us know what the last day is so have the sense of urgency and really seek out help and there are at least 100 million people out there who are willing to help you but if you don't show up you know a product in walmart is of no value if you don't go out and looking for it similarly there are enough people in the world who are willing to share and learn, share their wisdom 
but you have to ask and asking is empowering asking is a sign of strength dr avi gunlapalli thank you so so much for joining us today go out check out the book the art of mentoring uh if you are interested in running a mentoring program within your organization reach out to mentor cloud at mentorcloud.com and we are so excited to welcome next week our special guest is lex roman who is the queen of growth for small organizations uh, and creators. So that is going to be an amazing conversation about partnerships and uh, how to work with your community. So really looking forward to that chat. Otherwise, thank you so much, everybody. Have an amazing week and uh, we'll see you next Monday. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Have a good week. Thank you. Bye-bye.